Well, dear congregation, dear friends, I'd ask you now to please direct your prayerful attention to those words that I read to you in that passage there in Galatians chapter 6. And I take for my text this evening the word, the words found in the verse 7, where the Apostle Paul is finished addressing the Galatian church, many of them who had been bewitched by the men who had taught them that circumcision was something necessary, that after having received Christ, they must also be circumcised. And Paul, now getting to the end of this epistle, is speaking about Christ, and who those have been set free by Christ, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. And they do not use their Christian liberty to serve themselves. They do not use their Christian liberty as an occasion to the flesh, to please the flesh. They're not under the law in this sense. They're not under the condemning power of the law. They're not under the terrors of the law. But indeed, when we learn of the gospel, the aspects of the law, Paul says in Romans 3.31, do we make void the law through the coming of faith? He said, God forbid. God forbid. We have rather established the law. The Christian has the law now written upon his heart. The Lord who he once disdained. And the Lord whom he never loved, he now loves. And he loves by this commandment. It is the chief commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself. We are told that here. So the law is established in the heart. It's the covenant promise, isn't it, of Jeremiah 31. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will also put my spirit in their hearts. Now our text this evening, and I take it to preach the gospel, there may be those amongst us who know not Christ, and it's a good time of examination even for the believer to ask, am I saved? Am I a child of God? Have I been born of the Spirit? What kind of a life do I live? Well, Paul tells us here, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, and the verse 8. These two verses. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. We want to think on this tonight about being deceived. Many are deceived. Many think that they are Sowing to the Spirit, but they're indeed sowing to the flesh. 
Now the child of God is born of the Spirit. He has a different spirit in him. His spirit has been changed and he is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and sealed with the Spirit of God unto the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord has begun a good work in him. But we must ask tonight, has the Lord begun a good work in us? Well, Paul says this on the backdrop of addressing the matter of men laboring. Paul was accused by many of being a false teacher. But of course, he was a true apostle. And here he is faithfully dispensing the word of life and correcting this church that was erring, that was departing from the simplicity of the gospel as it is in Christ, and saying that a man is not saved by works, works of circumcision or other works, but he is saved by grace. And when grace comes to a man, it not only gives him a new status, his status in Christ is this, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to that man. That man's sins were nailed to Christ there upon the cross. Christ bore that man's sins on the cross. But there is a new spirit in that person. And that person is somebody that will receive the truth of God's word and will highly prize the preaching of God's word, will highly prize the ministry Notice what he says in verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think of himself to be something, then he is nothing. He deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word. Now here he's speaking about a church. And perhaps members in a church that are taught in the word and by the word of God communicate. Now that Greek word there really means to, to give, to reciprocate, to commune, to give unto him that teacheth. He's teaching here the rightful support of ministry. The rightful support of those who labor in the word. Let him that is taught in the word, that's the hearer, communicate or share Actually, the Greek word is there is the word kononia, where one is to, is to have fellowship, but in terms of providing for unto him that teacheth the minister in all good things. He says, in all good things, let him communicate. Let him show that kindness in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, one is receiving the labors of another man's hours of work in the study of the word. And a failure to do that shows a wrong spirit, a very wrong spirit. The man is just taking, he's receiving the word. And this is wrong. We know from our studies here as a church in 1 Corinthians, do we not, in that chapter 10 where Paul tells us in the previous chapter that by the rule of God, the minister should be supported by the church. Now, this is not a sermon here tonight on the support for the ministry. This is the last thing on my mind. But I want to lead to the text here this night. Here Paul is addressing the very fact, notice, be not deceived, God is 
not mocked. Somebody that does not reciprocate in such a way, person that is constantly on the take, as it were, receiving, and does not reciprocate, that person is mocking God. God has provided the minister and the ministry, and this man, he is going to sow something. What is he sowing? In gratitude, and whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And this leads to our text this evening. And I want to deal with it on a more broader aspect. This is a, a true maxim, isn't it? We could use this term almost everywhere. You, you've heard people in the world quote such a verse, I'm sure. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. Do we not say this? We hear it even in society today. He is only reaping what he has sowed. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. See, the man who is of the flesh is proving that he is carnal, that he knows nothing of God. The man that sows to the Spirit knows the Spirit of God. He knows spiritual life. He has a relationship with God. He, in his soul, communicates with God in prayer, in the reading of the Word, and he appreciates the Word. He is receiving. Now, one who is truly born again, I do believe, highly values and prizes the Word of God. And then he tells us that there are those that reap in a sparing way, for they sow sparingly. Whatever you put in, remember what the Lord Jesus said, take heed to how you hear. For he said, for by the measure that you hear, it shall be given unto you. You see how we can broaden that maxim, that teaching, in many parts of God's word. The measure that you value the ministry of the word will be given unto you. The time and even the attention, you are, I trust, tonight engaged in the ministry of the word, you're not simply here warming a seat, warming a pew, but you yourself are receiving and participant in the ministry. We're engaged when we pray. We say we unite our hearts in prayer. The minister may be leading in prayer, but your heart is engaged, is it not? Where is your spirit? That's the question. Many so to the flesh, and we'll think they shall reap corruption. He's already told us the things of the flesh, the works of the flesh. Look at, at chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envies, murders, drunkenness. My friend, if your life is marked by these things. Paul tells us, I tell you, he says here, as I've said before, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But you say, 
pastor, preacher. I thought you said we are saved by grace. Yes, we are. But God's grace is not ineffectual in us. When the Lord saves us, he saves a man to a different life. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, so that they sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh. And that's the question I want us to ask. The Word of God is a wonderful spotlight that we may put upon our hearts here tonight to examine whether we are sowing to the flesh or to the Spirit. And there's a solemn warning here tonight. If we are sowing to the flesh, we shall reap corruption. God's judgment. God is not mocked. And we are not teaching here that a man is saved by his works. Far be it. But you know, if you turn with me to the book of the Revelation, I've pointed this out many a time. Revelation 22 Verse 14, I read from verse 13, this is Christ speaking and sealing up prophecy. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. My friends, again, the Bible is not teaching that a man is able to enter into the city of the living God, into the eternal kingdom, because of his works. But these people that are blessed do the commandments because they have a different spirit in them. You see, make the tree good, and the fruit will be good. That's the mark, that's the test. When a set of old, true religion is known and felt, it's known in the life. We have a knowledge of the truth, and we know and we feel Christ, and we love him. And Paul will say here, this faith worketh by love. This is not legalism, but this is love. And I want to ask you, where is your affection this night? Are you sowing? To the spirit or to the flesh? If we're born again, we'll be sowing to the spirit. And one of the things, as we sow to the spirit, we love his word. Do we not love the word of the spirit? God gave his word as he moved holy men by the Holy Ghost. Stephen, in Acts 7, said to the religious leaders who were just about to stone him to death, said, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. In what way were they resisting the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit had given the word. We're not here speaking about irresistible grace, because God's grace is irresistible. When the Lord draws a man, it is utterly irresistible. They shall come. But men resist the word. So a man, as he sows to the flesh, he may even come 
and indulge his flesh and come in the house of God and sit in the house of God and say, my, this is fine. This is wonderful to be here. As in the days of Ezekiel, the Lord said, Ezekiel, they love to hear thy voice. Thou art as a lovely song, Ezekiel. The people are taken up with the preaching of the word. But the Lord then turned around and said, they go after covetousness. They hear the word and they go back to the world. You see, you can even be in the house of God and you are heaping up greater judgment upon yourself because you come and you hear the preaching, the ministry of the Spirit's word and the preacher is preaching and you're merely entertained with the preaching of the word. But you go away and you live after the flesh. No real prayer. No prayer to God. No reading of the word of God at home. No getting down on your knees and seeking God. You know, many people have their consciences appeased by the mere attendance to the house of God. And that, my friend, is nothing but sowing to the flesh, pleasing the flesh. Every man has a conscience. In fact, my Bible tells me that there's no such thing as an atheist. Not at all. Romans 1, God said that he has revealed the truth to men. They are without excuse because the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God day unto day, night unto night. He has revealed his attributes to men, and yet men hold down the truth and unrighteousness. You know, you can be a a practical atheist, you can even believe the Bible, but not act upon it. You're sowing to the flesh. You're convincing yourself all is well, but you're living to yourself. Let's look at some of these sins here, the works of the flesh. They manifest adultery. You have a problem, my friend, you look at a woman who is not your wife and you look at her and there's no pang of conscience. The Lord Jesus said you can commit adultery with the eyes, in the heart. It's the flesh. It's not to say the Christian. The times can have a wandering eye, but he's grieved in his heart. And he cries with David, O Lord, against thee and thee alone have I sinned against thee. Cleanse me, wash me, make me whiter than snow. Break my heart over this, over this sin, fornication, all kinds of wickedness. Fornication, this word pornea, will cover the vast plethora of sexual immorality. And you turn on the computer and go to some website with the click of a button without the conscience being troubled. And there's no confession of sin. It's ongoing sin. 
It's not to say that the Christian doesn't fall. But when he falls, he repents. He says, God, forgive me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He is broken over his sin, her sin, whatever it is. Adultery. Fornication. My friends, we are indeed surrounded by so much lewdness today. It's not easy to catch the train. Men, we have to hold our heads down. Do we not? When we walk the streets. But if you can do these things without a pang of conscience, my friend, you are sowing to the flesh. That's all you're doing. And you will reap corruption. You will be corrupted now in your own mind. In life to come, sin, and let me say this, some men's sins even judge them and bring them into further sin. And that is a judgment in itself. And there's an addiction. Whether it's the lewdness of nakedness, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. You can be lascivious in your talk, coarse jesting. Do these things not trouble you? Would you say these things sitting next to the Lord Jesus? My friend, if you say that you're a Christian, you must realize that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you can grieve the Spirit, but only so long. Whosoever sows to the flesh shall reap corruption. You see a man go on in sin for years. Idolatry. What is idolatry? All kinds of things. Man's heart is an idol-making factory. He'll worship something, whether it's the possessions he has, his children, his house, even his degree, his attainments, idolatry, his looks, her looks, anything, even an image. We might scorn at the Catholic. He kisses his cross. There's no power in that piece of wood. The Hindu, he might worship a stone. But a man will worship something else, but God, it's idolatry. Whatever it is, it's idolatry. Covetousness, Paul says in Colossians, which is idolatry. He says, flee these things. If you sow these things, if something has your affection more than God, it's an idol. And God will have no rivals. Some people come to church because they just want a good life. They want a house. They want a wife. I'm telling you, that's idolatry. You come to church for any other reason. It's idolatry. Yes, God does bless a man with many things. But if you put those things first, you will sow to the flesh and you will reap corruption. And that's all you'll have. You'll have things, but you'll never have God. 
and you'll die a lost man. God may even give you those things. You'll be lost forever. Thank God sometimes he doesn't give us what we ask. Unanswered prayers. Emulations. There'll be those who will beat themselves, cut themselves, do all strange things, pierce their bodies. What can those things do? Nothing. Wrath. Are you an angry man? I don't think you can be for very long if you're a Christian. Can you? Yes, the Christian may at times lose his temper, sadly. But very quickly, he'll put things right. The scriptures tell us, be angry. And there's a, there's a righteous indignation. But, but wrath for the sake of wrath and be angry. My, the eternal God, if he has saved you, has had mercy on you. The wrath that was due to you fell on Christ. The Christian can't be angry. He can't be, can't be angry. Maybe you're angry at the boss. Maybe you're angry. You've been untreated fairly. You can't be angry. If God were to be fair with you, he'd send you to hell. Send us all to hell tonight. No reason to be angry. Every reason to be thankful. Strife. You're striving with some. Why do people strive? Even sadly, you've seen it in churches. Why? Jealousy. Somebody is jealous of somebody else. They don't have what they have. They're jealous. They're envious. A person who is the Lord's has everything. He has Christ, he has forgiveness of sins. And he is trusting that God, by his good hand, and his kindness every day is providing for all of my needs. And I, he knows what I need. And if I have any more, it's not good for me. The psalmist prayed, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. God knows whether to keep a man poor or not. God knows if a man has a little bit more money in his bank account, it'll be the ruin of the man. Because he's not learned how to govern his finances. You see, if you are sowing to the Spirit, you will trust the Spirit of the living God. You will see yourself for what you are. And you'll understand that there is a God of heaven that knows all things. And knows you better than yourself. Heresies. Does heresy bother you? It should do. For the Christian, all he wants is truth now. It's all he wants. Because the Bible is so precious and the truth is so precious. Christ is truth. And he will have the, he will have the only Christ, the true Christ. And, and he is concerned, he is concerned to have the truth every week. And we're told by the truth, sell it not. You give it up for nothing. Envyings, 
murders. They come from the heart, don't they? Drunkenness. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit of God rather than wine, rather than drink. Drunkenness should never be named amongst God's people. Would you want the Lord Jesus to come back and you're drunk? What are you going to say to him then? I imagine many people will be. But you must have a sober mind. If God has called you heavenward, Surely you want to have a sober mind. Why would you spend your money on that? You know, the Bible says, wine is a mocker, my friend. Wine is a mocker. See it mock a man. See it reduce a man to a fool. They say a fool and his money is quickly parted. But God makes his people wise. So to the flesh, and you'll reap corruption in this life. The Bible gives us tremendous wisdom for life, doesn't it? But you know those who have life now, life in Christ, have his spirit, and they that have his spirit shall reap life everlasting. What does he say? Of such, I tell you, shall not Inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they have not the spirit of Christ. Now, my friend, if you are without Christ, can you not see what a poor man you are? Can you not see how wretched you are? How blind you are? How you can destroy yourself? And you are destroying yourself? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Many people are in churches deceiving themselves, deceiving others. They put on a face when they come in. You can put all the right clothes on and fool people. But God is never fooled. God is never mocked. He says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice the difference but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love to who? Love to God. My, my friends, if you have a right view of God, you will have a right view of this world. See God, holy, high in the heavens, glorious. God have sent this world into Destruction the day Adam sinned. That how merciful he has been down through the millennia. How he has saved many countless souls in the Old Testament. Who were headed on a broad road. <coughs> Self-righteous people. Like Paul. Saul of Tarsus. Drunks. Change that. God is love. And God 
delighteth in mercy, my friend. The spirit of the word says, and you know, to sow to the spirit, when the word says, repent, what must a man do? To sow to the spirit. The spirit says, I must repent. If God's word says, when the Lord Jesus Christ began preaching, he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. My friend, that word repent, metanoia means to turn. And what a man finds, he makes a happy discovery when he has come to hear the word of God. And he turns, God has given him the grace to turn, the heart to repent. He has been awakened to this, that he has lived in such a way. And God says, repent, turn. The Lord Jesus in his day in Luke 13 said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There were the Jews that were boasting on that tower. Eighteen were killed at Siloam. And he said to them, suppose ye that they were worse sinners than you? He said, except you repent. He said, what about those whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice? Suppose they are worse sinners. He said, except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. Why did they perish? Well, because of sin. Men do perish. We do believe God is sovereign. He saves sinners. But men perish and men go to hell because of their sin. That's true. And if a man sows to the flesh, God will judge a man. And if you live after the flesh, you will reap corruption in this life. It's only going to get worse. Sin makes you worse. You meet sinners, 10 years down the, the line, they're worse. They're not any better for it. They're greater idolatrous. They're greater drunks. They're no less the wise from all their sin. Their sin has in fact judged them and brought them into a worse condition of life. But if you sow to the Spirit, and the Spirit of God's word, Christ said, repent. And those who repent can believe that the gospel is for them. Because those who find themselves repent. And the Lord has spoken by his word and by his spirit. And they have obeyed the spirit of God. Turn. They believe that there is one and they can believe the gospel that Christ died for such sinners. That he bore their sin. See, man has two problems. He's got a bad heart. And he's got a bad record. But Christ bore the sin of his people. And he says, my sheep will hear my voice. They will come unto me. And they will follow me. How do they follow? When he says repent, they repent. And they believe on him. And he gives peace. who go into hell. Those who sow this kind of a life. And it describes the world, doesn't it? 
All manner of sins there are set forth. And God says, be not deceived. And you see, part of knowing that you are sowing to the Spirit, it comes, as I said, on the backdrop of verse 6, where one truly appreciates the Word. You see, and if you just truly appreciate the Word, it, you just don't want to just hear it, but you want that Word to be living in you. You want that Word to be effectual in your life. And say, God, write this word upon my heart that I sin not against thee, Lord. But I walk after thy spirit so that I, I sow after the spirit so that I know that I am a child of God. I've heard thee speak, O Lord. But Lord, make me changed by this word. Truly, so that I sow after thy spirit. You see, whoever is in Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And all things have become new. Not perfect, but you knew. You changed. You know, the Bible doesn't say, sit back and do nothing. But so. What are you sowing? Is your life good? Can you take the Lord Jesus Christ round with you every minute of your day? And would those things meet with his approval tonight? The Christian can say, not perfectly, Lord, but thou knowest I love thee. And when I have sinned, O Lord, I do repent. Are you repenting? And are you believing upon him? You must be repenting, because if you're not repenting, you're not sowing to the Spirit. Whosoever sows to his flesh shall reap corruption. Hell is going to be terrible. And don't think this is the end of it. When you leave this world, you go to an awful place, my friend. Where men is told they perish. There's no annihilation there. But they become worse. They become more loathsome to themselves and to others. And Satan will be there. And all the worst sinners. And there's no hope. No hope in that place. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life. It's life now. And life everlasting. My friend, a man ruins himself. Without God. Always will. But only in God is there hope. God has spoken by his word. You must now sow by the grace of God. To the spirit. Or you will perish. Man is responsible for his sin. 
Sure, God is sovereign. And it is a mercy that God should ever bring a man in the remit of the preaching. Do you realize that most people in this world will not hear the true gospel? Many people in foreign lands, living in pagan lands, living in idolatrous places, false religions. Look across England here. So many peddle the social gospel, a false gospel, not the true gospel. And they will perish. Why are they there? They want to be there. They don't want to be anywhere else. What are they doing? Sowing to the flesh. Think of the Lord Jesus. He preached to those cities in his day. Those cities where his mighty acts were done. And yet they did not repent. And yet he said it will be more tolerable than Sodom and Gomorrah for them. Than for them in the day of judgment. Because they saw his mighty works. And his deeds. And then he said... Father, thou hast hidden these things from the prudent and the wise. Men are wise in their own eyes, in their own conceits. And sometimes God gives a man over to his own heart, doesn't he? And he allows him to continue on sowing corruption. And how much worse for a man that has sat under good ministry, and yet he continues to sow to corruption. How much greater will the judgment be? The Lord Jesus did speak about degrees of sin. And he spoke about Judas committing the greater sin. Judas, so privileged, not unlike Pilate. Judas heard and Judas saw the Lord Jesus. And we're told Judas by transgression fell. He was ordained to fall, but he also fell by transgression. God help us. If we are saved, thank God. He's granted us his spirit. That we, by the grace of God, may sow to the spirit and not reap corruption. Friend, God has spoken by his word tonight. Obey the word, repent, believe on Christ, who is the Savior of all who come unto him, and he will in no wise cast out. No matter what you've done, they who truly repent and believe on Christ, they're his. Those are the ones he died for, and they will all come in. Amen.